What's going on, boys and girls? We have a fantastic episode of Two White Lights for you today. We head on the 125-kilo national champion, Big Devin Williams, and he gave us a terrific interview. Um, it's been a long time coming for Devin. He's been one of the best young powerlifters in the game for a long time, and he's competed at his first nationals and won the entire thing And what was a fantastic battle and one of the more interesting battles um, within Raw Nationals. So fantastic interview with him. He's tailor-made for two-way lights. He's a two-way lights type of guy where it's really easy to have him on and give an interview. You're going to hear rise to the national championship stage in the USAPL, discuss his takes on the performance alone and his future in the sport. Word Association as well. Awesome, awesome interview with Devin. Before we get into the interview, I'd like to remind you guys to go to leftflowerbros.com and get yourself some of the best merchandise in powerlifting. Go to leftflowerbros.com and use that promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, go to 2 subscribe to the podcast on the website, but also check out some of the merchandise. Use some of the promo codes we have with all of our athletes. we got many, many of athletes that you can get promo codes from. Marcellus Williams, Steve Denovi, Solana Lewis, um, Alex Luklo, Kyle Project Strength. You can get your promo codes there. We got some merchandise for sale. Also, go to iTunes, give a five star rating, leave a five star review there as well. And also, Spotify, leave a five star rating. And without further ado, here it is Two White Lights. Oh, baby, I like it. I have with me today the USAPL 125 kilo national champion. I got big Devin Williams. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Feels good to hear that title as you announced me. Yeah, i i uh, i like I like to give those title recording or like you know the title recording like I'm a, like a professional wrestler announcer, but it. How does it feel? Because no one has done it to me yet. Yes, yeah, do it to you right now. No, it, it feels <laughs> good, man. I uh, I think we're in a similar boat. Yeah, we both have like the potential to do it. Maybe you longer than me, um, but it was never a guarantee. So it's it's nice. I'm a, I'm enjoying it for a while, but uh, till next time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But. I think your um, your kind of trajectory has been a, a bit more interesting because you've always hopped around USPA and USAPL where you kind of flew under the radar because of that. I think everyone knows at this point, like, if you're a drug-tested lifter, you got to go USAPL or IPF. Like, you just have to do it because if you do USPA, it's going to be a great competition. It's going to be fun. You're, you're going you're gonna to enjoy doing it. 
But if you want the notoriety and competition as a competitor, you just have to do USAPL. Yeah, I mean, the reason I did USPA is just ease and location. Mm-hmm. I think I started in 2019, so I just I literally just Googled, like, powerlifting federations. I couldn't tell you the difference between USAPL and USPA, so USPA was closest, so I drove, like, two hours. I think it was in Dayton, Ohio or something, mm-hmm. and... I pretty much just stuck with USPA because it's what I knew. And then I'm now in uh, Indy City Barbell in Indianapolis. A lot of the competitors there do or did USPA for some stuff changed. Yeah. You're originally, um, you're originally yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of stuff has changed. <laughs> you're originally from Ohio, right? Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. So that's okay. why I chose Dayton. It was pretty close. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that explains the, uh, the Bengals fandom. Um, but the first time I met you was at Indy City Barbell, and I just assumed like oh, yeah. you were, you know, just like everyone from Indiana or that area from uh, Indianapolis where you would compete USPA because yeah, that was the federation at the time, especially in that area, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, all USPA. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the first time I met you because at that point I was still a nobody. I feel like I'm not a somebody yet, but I mean you were. You were Angelo Fortino. Like, you were the guy who could deadlift 800 pounds and you only weighed 20 pounds. So you walked in and my buddy's like, that guy, he was joking. He said, that guy looks a lot like Angelo. And I looked at you and I was like, that dude does look a lot like Angelo. And then I freaking realized it was you. And then it was like 30 seconds of me just staring at you from across the room. And then I came over and talked about sports betting for like 30 minutes. That's, you. well, you nailed it. Like, if you needed to talk, yeah, if you like want to break the ice with me ever, I'm a pretty easy guy to break the ice with, but the easiest way is to bring up sports betting. And yeah, like you can get me into about a 45 minute conversation. Talk. We did it before the podcast just talking about how shitty the bears are. (laughs) And I can't, I can't, I can't stop after we start talking sports, but yeah, I actually, now I do remember that. And yeah, I mean, it's not intimidating at all for you staring at me from across the gym. I was still a little dead at that point. I wasn't scared yet. You were no, like, your bench was, I think, over 500 pounds at that time. Yeah, that's that's just normal, though. Yeah, that's normal. That's a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, the, the, so the bench, yeah, your bench press is ridiculous, but when you were kind, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go towards, I'm gonna say, it was probably the collegiate of junior nationals, but the drug tested um, Hoosier Cup that they have in the USPA. I think that's when I got the just kind of the idea that you were a very very good lifter, but an exceptionally good young lifter. And I'm like, there's a lot of guys within his weight class which he competes against where I think he's actually better than, but he doesn't get any of the hype, any of the publicity. And this was a time where junior lifters were getting a shit ton of it. Like junior lifters were getting a ton of hype and a lot of eyes on them. And you had the list, like you had the act, the bench press alone to me was something that turned a lot of heads. Was that ever something like you thought of like, okay, I'm doing this and I think I'm just as good, if not better than a lot of these other lifters, but just because of a federation and I'm not getting any hype or a social media presence. Yeah, you bring up the federation difference. USPA is a great federation, but it's it's like varsity versus JV. USAPL is varsity, USPA is JV. But you brought up the uh, Junior Nationals in New Orleans. That's when I first met Brandon, 
Bam Bam, who I'm sure we'll talk about more. Yeah. But Wee's also competed at that uh, competition. So it was a lot of like the up and coming junior lifters. I had a pretty terrible meet at that. Mm-hmm. Meet, unfortunately, I went like seven for nine, didn't PR or anything. But I was only off by like 30 kilos of the highest lifter. I think, I think Brandon won that one. Um, 30 kilos, it, it's a lot, but I had a pretty bad day. So that's why I turned around and did that Hoosier Cup meet. I think it was like less than three months later or something like that. Yeah. Because I just kind of wanted a redemption meet because I sucked so bad at that one. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. I, I think that was my first time benching 500 in comp. Or I might have been like 497 or something like that. Yeah. You got that fourth attempt. I, I, I remember the, that. I took the open bench record from what's his name? Oak. Michael Oak. Oak. Uh, Kevin Oak. Ke- Kevin Oak. Yeah. I mean, he's much less prominent on social media now, but Kevin Oak is a monster lifter. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that would kind of give me a little bump. But I, I came in like seventh overall at that meet. So there was Ben Poor competing and uh, Michael. I can't remember the guy who actually won it all. He was a lightweight lifter. Yeah. So. That was, uh, man, that brings back a lot of memories because I had, that I was, was yeah. I commentated that one. That was uh, Michael Cole, Di Pietro, Ben Poor, kind mm-hmm. of the guys who were definitely ahead on dots for the day. Um, there was. Uh, Debo was there too. Yeah, Debo's yeah. Last uh, Duard uh, Edwards was there. Um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, and like, you got, yeah, you got, that was actually one of the more, that was like the, um, the year where local meets were becoming a bigger thing because it was yeah. at the aftermath of COVID, nationals for the USAPL was a bit of a mess. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they got through it, but that was the whole, you know, there's going to be a limited roster size. It's not, you know, only top three lifters get invites. The rest are going to be at the mercy of how quick you can sign up. And yeah, Garrett, I remember got together, did that meet. And yeah, you were one of, you were one of the premier names. I think we did give a little bit of a breakdown on the, the preview show, but yeah, it was just, you kind of get lost in the fray when you go competition to competition, but also when you have, you know, a formula based meet. Right. Where you don't really yeah, get I any... the highest total at that meet, but mm-hmm. not the highest dots. So I was kind of washed away, but that was like the first prime time at a local meet type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a cool experience and just a lot of good lifters there, but still didn't really get much of a spark in terms of catching it, catching on as one of the up and coming lifters just because dots. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there was formula. I think now with, I think uh, a lot of these, li- like these competitions, where they're going to rewarding certain single lifts. Uh, like Sheffield, I think, is establishing some precedent. Hopefully we can see more of that, especially with just your percentage towards the total. Um, but with you still bounce around a little bit from USAPL to USPA. I mean, you've done the Arnold twice. You've done the, uh, the Pioneer Classic. What are you looking at right now? Because you're clearly making a commitment to the USAPL. I mean, you're a national champion USAPL uh, lifter. So, is it? Are, are you going to do some USPA meets? Or are you just going to hop around? Or is it just I have competition now in the USAPL and possibly the IPF for Powerlifting America? Are you going to Are you going to stick around that? Yes, yeah, so I think I'm done with the USPA. <laughs> uh, it's it's no longer a very competitive federation for me and there's some other behind the scenes stuff that kind of has washed that federation away from my interest mm-hmm. um but in terms of usapl versus powerlifting america 
it feels good to be a national champion. I'm not sure what I can look forward to until next nationals. Um, it'd be nice to rematch Brandon. I'm sure Jared would probably be there. Maybe some new 125s. But uh, Powerlifting America is seeming a little more enticing at the moment. Well, there's, go ahead. Well, no, you go. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say there's some local meets. Um, one that has a, a bench press payout, which uh, would be nice for me to go to. Um, but looking forwards into, if I were to go Powerlifting America IPF, I would probably go head to head with Bob Matthews. And I think that could be one of the coolest stories in powerlifting for that nationals. Yeah. So I, well, you, I was going to say powerlifting America, what is the pull? I mean, you just mentioned like there's a payout for bench press, um, uh, for, uh, uh, bench press meets. Is it a bench press meet or is it? It's full power, but there's something special about bench press. Okay, cool. So they have that. But is is that the next goal? Just kind of looking at a, a potential matchup with Bob Matthews? Because, yeah, I mean, when you have that competitor, that is someone you clearly would love to compete against. But at the same time, there's Bam Bam and Jared, who are fantastic lifters as well. But I think everyone's in this limbo right now where they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what anyone's doing. Because I wasn't expecting you to, like, say Powerlifting America. Yeah, I haven't made a decision yet. There's, I mean, to be blunt, facing Bob Matthews is would be the tallest task I've ever taken on. So he is obviously one of the best in the world. So there's by no means a guarantee of me winning nationals. Um, I love competing against Brandon. We talked about it. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have had the, the meat that I had, and he wouldn't have had his meat if we weren't just clashing for 12 weeks outside of prep, just friendly banter and just motivating each other. So I would love if Brandon, myself, and potentially others would go IPF 120 uh, and compete at nationals. I don't think Brandon can do that because he did IPF before and he switched back and the stupid stuff with you can't switch back and get banned for a year. I forgot he did that. Yeah, so that that would suck. So there's still that draw in USAPL for me versus Brandon. Respectfully to Jared, if he doesn't improve significantly, it's not going to be as exciting of a head-to-head battle. I think me and Brandon are on a trajectory that he's not, and he seemed pretty complacent, <laughs> to say the least, um, at the competition. Elaborate on that a little bit more. Because I, yeah, so. I, I competed with him at the Arnold, and I, I mean, he's, un, he's blue-collar strong. Mm-hmm. He's got like that blue-collar strong feel to him. Um, I just can't read him. <laughs> so that I like for me, I don't know if that's complacency or him being intense. I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't, I don't know, know so his, I don't know his style. He totaled 968 the Arnold, missed like a 20 kilo jump on his last deadlift, so he's closing on a thousand kilos. So it, he's a obviously a heavy hitter. But at Nationals, me and Brandon were just like on fire in terms of like wanting to get better, wanting to chase that championship. Did not get that rating at all from Jared. After he lost, the vibes were a bit odd. Without diving in too deep, he didn't. He, he seemed like he expected to win 100%, which you should. You should go into a meet wanting to win. 
Um, but the loss seemed to affect him more than expected. And he can be closing out on a thousand kilos. That's fine. My confidence to go head to head with Jared again is at an all time high. I'm sure Brandon Brandon's is too. So I just, I just don't, uh, I don't see myself being motivated to go against Jared again, Mm. Brandon. Yes. But Jared, it was a great competition, but the fire between me and him is, is no longer there. Yeah. So you said after the competition, like what was the general vibe? Was it seemed like, all right, whatever I lost. I just kind of left. Or was it like a disappointed feeling or disappointed aura? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say before the meet him and his coach were a little chatty friendly talking after the meet shook his hand that was it no more chatting no more what's the next move how you doing the the vibe just changed significantly to where uh i don't i don't foresee myself caring to compete against him again okay to keep things chill and respectful you know all right I'm trying to I'm trying to find a relation there, and it's just like I could tell sometimes when people are upset, like after a meet, like yeah, they lost. They don't feel like talking to me right now, especially if I just beat them. Um, but there's always like an element of clear respect, right? Like there's a element yes. of respect there, and um, there was an issue. I mean, I I wasn't able to really dive too deep, and also I'm I'm not a guy that's great at speaking at game day coaching. Um, not being a coach by you know, not being a coach myself or having any experience with that myself, and uh, those heads out of battles or something that are it's different in powerlifting. But there seemed to be some issues with attempt selection for Jared on that day. I mean, and, yeah. I, and a lot of blame was put on his coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave you guys two white lights, uh, some some crap in my recap about predicting me third, but I, I talked to Steve. I mean, respectfully, you should have chose Jared. That's the that's the normal thing to do. He had a significantly higher qualifying total. But I mean, going through squats and bench, I was six for six. He jumped in on his third bench, missed it. Still at that point, he's he's up on me on like seventeen kilos on his subtotal. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows how the how the deadlift battle went. I went two for two. He came out for his second deadlift, didn't get it. And the logical thing is just to retake that. If he if he retakes and he jumps like seventeen kilos on me, and I'm not jumping seventeen on my third. For some reason, they went up two and a half. I think it was a little bit of a big body. My handler Chris, mm-hmm. he was playing some mind games, trying to get him to do more than they needed. And all like respect to Chris, I appreciate him trying to do that. Jarrett's coach still should have pretty easily been able to change that attempt back to what he needed and. I don't know if you saw Jarrett's third deadlift, but he was two and a half kilos away from getting it. Yeah. So definitely some mistakes on their side. Yeah. That, yeah. That was, that was the head scratcher going in was you just retake that lift. Like that gives you the best opportunity to win. Um, and I, it, yeah, it's and also just based on where you are in the competition. Um, that's, that was, I, I think Steve's point on two white lights. And then a lot of people were DMing us like that was a, that was, in, in lack of better ter- terms, poor coaching. Like, that was just a poor coaching decision there. And uh, you typically don't see that. Like, I, I can't think of a whole lot of examples. Granted, I um, have been called out many times for just missing things or not having the best memory with powerlifting meets or not having the best uh, 
powerlifting history mine, but I can't recall like that poor of a decision on meet day. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the bench jump was pretty reasonable, so that miss is like, okay. You yeah. Know, maybe Jerry thought he had it and you just missed it. But he jumped almost, I guess it was 20 kilos on a deadlift. When you're in my weight class, 20 kilos is like your basic opener to second jump. So even then it seems reasonable, but I just don't understand the third attempt going up when you don't need to. The only thing I can think of is assuming that Brandon was going to pull something nuts and that two and a half kilos was going to make or break him. Even that's a pretty pretty bit of a uh, bit of a stretch yeah but even two and a half kilos on top of that it's like you're not getting anything aside from two and a half kilos bam bam's still good he's he has the advantage on <laughs> bam bam has the deadlift advantage so if you're taking if you're going one for three on a specific lift you're done like that's that's the case there's there's very few people you have to be so unbelievably well-rounded like russ could probably do that russ could possibly get away with a one out of three deadlift or bench press and still be in a position to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, really even squat because he probably is going to open up at like six ninety or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you have to be well-rounded because, but if Russ was not a deadlifter, if he had like say a seven sixteen ish bench uh, deadlift, then no, he's got to hit his lifts up until deadlift because these guys are moving 800 pounds now in 82 and a half and 83. So yeah, I, I mean, you got to hit your lifts. If you're, if you're that big, Big time squat and bench guy. So Jerry Martin is. You you have to you have to hit your lifts going into it. But um, yeah, you got to give credit to you for executing. I think a lot of people do get caught up on that stuff. And I've been at the, the other end of it. Like they talk about maybe a challenge lift or something, or good coaching from Joe um, in comparison to Steve. I mean, at times I think Steve can go you know, potentially out coach him in certain circumstances, especially in twenty twenty two. But I'm like, yeah, I, I hit the lift though. So like I, I deserve the credit as well. Yeah, and like just to kind of generally recap how I feel about winning, everyone who's friends with me says congratulations. Everyone's who's like real friends with me is like, you won because Jared fucked up. And I don't I don't take that as a as an insult. It's yeah. it's true. And ideally I would beat Brandon and Jared on their best day, not them missing lifts, but Shit happens. He <laughs> looking back at it, Jared squatted something stupid, like three ninety something. Mm-hmm. In pounds, he outsquatted me by hundred and fifty pounds. You shouldn't be able to outsquat someone by hundred and fifty pounds and lose unless you're a bum on bench and deadlift. But it happened. And I wouldn't be in a position to win if I wasn't eight for eight. So I'm happy, I'm proud of myself. But uh could have been a bit of a cleaner competition. Yeah, it can be a it can be a weird sport. It doesn't. It's not really the case with other sports. If you win, you win. Um, you know, you're gonna have, and it is also going to somewhat. I don't know if it's the same with you, but kind of affect you just the way that you feel about the victory. Because I can say this: like, if you win, you win. But I know, like, if I went seven for nine, and then everyone else went like five for nine, and I had like like a terrible meet where I was way way under what I can possibly hit. I win and you should be happy, but you're not really going to be happy, but you should be. Yeah. Like I said, like I'm, I'm proud of myself for being eight for eight going into deadlifts and giving myself the small chance that would have been there of pulling for the win. And I mean, I had to pull my training PR. I put up almost a 2,100 pound total. I won, but Jared jumps 
10 kilos instead of 17 on his deadlift and um, probably second place or third place at Brayman. Mm-hmm. So a little bittersweet, but yeah. I'm just realistic. Yeah. I don't know. Like, but for, I think so in your circumstance, cause you had a great day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people do get caught up way too much on having the super meat that they want. But I, and I, and I totally understand that, but I think you got to walk away with uh, with victories, having the understanding that you had a great day still. Because I had a lot of conversations with people like going into nationals, and I'm like, you're you're always going to be happy having a good day, even if you get second. And I know that's like almost the opposite of what you should say as a competitor. But if you go and you know put a PR on the board at a, a difficult meet to hit a PR at, you're going to be happy. And if somebody beats you, you're going to be better with somebody beating you as opposed to you sucking. Yeah. You go out you go yeah. out afterwards. If you go 9 for 9 and PR your total. You will not go out afterwards if you go 5 for 9. Yeah. And still get second. <laughs> you would get really pissed <laughs> off. Yeah, I mean, in the weight class I'm in, 2100 pounds, 2200 pounds is what it takes to win. It's not I guess realistic to expect to go 9 for 9 and PR all your lifts while going head-to-head like that. So, like, looking back at it, Derek could have totaled 960 and 1, but he probably went into that meet thinking, I need to total, I need to, I need to beat my Arnold performance. Mm-hmm. You don't. He could have totaled 955 and maybe one. Yeah. But it ain't about who's strongest. It's who's more bald, and I beat Jared. <laughs> he's, he's getting there. Might have to... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing that. By the way, like Jared can destroy me. He oh, literally he's, ripped he's, my head off. I never had a conversation with him either. I mean, he seems like a great guy. I don't know. He seems like a nice I, dude. I don't. I just. You have a good joke. You just can't pass it up. But yeah, he will literally rip my head off. But I I do see kind of something brewing there with Bam Bam in a good way. Uh, Bam Bam is a competitor. He's a sportsman. You know, like. Well, what do you see? I mean, you, you kind of already like stated with his situation, Power of the America. I gotta talk. He's gonna I, he's gonna come on the show eventually. Uh, we're hoping for an in person interview because um, he is in Texas. So I, I try to get those guys on. But yeah, like that could be something I think brewing. Two young lifters who are on the up and up in the sport. I would love to see that kind of unfold. And Bam Bam's that guy, like that guy to do it with because. He's nice. He's friendly. He's got a personality. He's kind of, kind of brights up the room, like with his persona. But at the same time, he's still a competitor. He's not one of those friendly guys who's encouraging you to beat him. Right. Those guys piss no, we, me we, off. We, In spite of them being so nice, <laughs> that pisses me off. We're friends, but we fully intend to beat each other when we compete. Yeah. It's no, no cute stuff going on. Uh, but me and Brandon talked about the the scenario where we both stay at USAPL. He mentioned that he would probably try to cut down to 242, which isn't too far off for him. He weighed in at like 265 or something, but he's he's been pretty relaxed on his diet. But I'm sure everyone listening knows that uh, Ruska, Bob, and Keenan, I'm not really sure about Keenan, but they potentially are moving over to IPF. Yeah. Uh, I think Ashton and, and Bob pretty confirmed. Uh, Keenan might, might come PA and then go over because he's dual citizen. 
Oh, I that I didn't know. That's actually probably you know better information than I have because yeah. I'm like the whole the whole Korea situation is not happening in the IPF. Yeah. Yeah, not exactly sure if that's happening, but I think it's an option for him. Either way, let's say the top three 110s vacate. Fourth place 110 right now. I, I mean, David Wilson was hurt, unfortunately, and he'll be competitive once he's back to healthy, but it's kind of open for whoever wants it. Yeah. The next three, four years, just running 110s. And if I stayed, I'd, I'd probably stay 275, and it'd probably be me versus Jared as the main battle, but I don't know. Just this an option to think about. Competing against Brandon is pretty fun, and he he's, he'll say we're one for one because he he takes into account the junior nationals that we did, twenty yeah. twenty one or something like that. I don't really count that because I sucked, but I guess <laughs> it makes sense for him to count it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I respectfully I would count it, but it's funny because I won't count anything I did in twenty nineteen. <laughs> Like nothing I did in 2019 was real. I was squatting and I was deadlifting in squat shoes and getting coached by Lane Norton's online program. So I'm just I'm just personally not gonna count it because of that. But no, it 100 percent counts. I'm just I'm just sour. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, that that that's something that I mean, it's something I because lifters do keep track of that stuff. Like I do have this thing where. I feel good being 3-0 and against Sean Noriega. He's technically beat me other times where I wasn't even close to the total. But personally, I'm like, I think I'm 3-0 and against you. Same thing with Jamar Royster. I'm like, yeah, 2019, you, of course, beat me, quote-unquote. But <laughs> since then, I've, I've, I've been undefeated against you. Just kind of making making up my own stats. Do you know what uh, Jamar's plan is, man? I wish he would have actually competed this past Nationals. Not sure. Um, I'm almost positive. Actually, I don't even, should, I don't even should say that. Um, prefacing with almost positive usually ends up poorly for me. Um, I am, yeah, as you know, a bad gambler. Um, I would assume 90. And, like, 90 is kind of open in the USAPL. Yeah. It's not quite 93. Um, the 93 weight class is pretty stacked in powerlifting America. It makes things a little bit easier for Marcellus that Petrie's going to powerlifting America. That means he gets to keep a pretty big stud in the USAPL and, um, you know, kind of, kind of stockpile a lot of those medals and trophies. Um, but I, I obviously can't see him doing 83 kilos, 181 ki- or, or 82 and a half kilos because the weight cut seemed to be really affecting, his performance and also just general platform health. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I spilled it. more beer everywhere. Nice. <laughs> Lucky you. At least you have some. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of, I mean, we originally bought up, like, you kind of flying under the radar. Hopefully Nationals helps, but... Good job on the videos, man. Now now it seems like you're beefing up that social media quality. And we always like when we are used as the, the contrast or as the critics. We do actually enjoy that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we I don't, like, of... a lot of people do dislike us doing that. Some Occasionally I can get annoyed, 
But if we are like kind of the the sound bites, like all right, well, we need sound bites, so we'll give you the bad ones and the good ones. Yeah, a lot of people reached out and were like, "Yeah, screw two white lights. They they screwed up. They were wrong." And I'm like, "I love two white lights. I'm using their audio because it makes my video cooler." I thought it did a pretty good job with it. I no, I loved it. I thought it was a great video, and yeah, I didn't. I I oh unless it's like totally stupid, or it I guess it depends on the actual like uh, what the what the general vibe of the video is or what the caption is or how it's being used, especially if we're totally misquoted on something, which has never happened. Every single time lifters do this, it seems like this is fair. This is fair criticism. And this is why we do preview shows to have our honest opinion and either be proved right or proved wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think people appreciate you guys just doing predictions in the first place. It's still a small sport, so having someone bring your name up and talk about where you're in place, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I will say, I was actually salty that not even one of you guys picked me to beat Brandon. All three of these, he's got too big of a deadlift. I, I, I couldn't. I, I will stand by that. I don't go back on my prediction. If I go back and do it, I will still pick Brandon over you. But also, there's a little extra incentive there because I don't know if I could look Brandon in the face and say someone's going to beat him. That would be kind of hard. I uh, the only time I did it was with Kyle De Leon, and that's a special exception because Kyle De Leon's my boyfriend. So like, I think Bam Bam understood that one, but yeah, like game day teammate, coach with the same coach, see him a lot. Nah, I get it. I get yeah, it. it's like uh, don't want to say there's bias, but there's gonna be bias. But I still thought he was gonna beat you, and I'm still thinking that he can beat you in the future. Just gonna stick by my takes. Hey, fair enough. They stay by your word. <laughs> Didn't someone bring up that? Um, I think it was subtotal. Subtotal always stands up or something like that. I think it's the exact opposite. I think subtotal doesn't stand. Oh, <laughs> or well, something. Yeah, something case. like yeah, something along the lines of it doesn't seem like you can have just be, to be the subtotal specialist and uh, do well or win these big competitions and that totally bit us in the ass like three times over nationals well I mean, brandon house squatted me by like 50 pounds and then i out subtotaled him by like 50 pounds and um he has a good deadlift obviously some may say great deadlift <laughs> i'm pulling 800 pounds man come on yeah. oh no you're the you're a pretty i mean you, you're weird because it's not even subtotal you're a good deadlifter and bencher it's a squat that kind of holds you back like I think I think Steve even mentioned on the podcast, like, no, you're a good deadlifter. Devin's got a good deadlift, just he's not the deadlifter, and it's not like the the big like yeah, because I mean, it's uh, if you get that squat down, then it could be game over for a lot of people in the weight class. Um, but I mean, I th- I'm sure if people saw you in person, they would kind of get the leverages. Aside from your bench, your bench, like we said on the I think the recap, it makes no sense to us, and you are one of the best benchers, and you just leverage wise wouldn't guess it i i have nothing to say about my bench I, I don't understand how it works i have all the time my people ask me give me tips on bench and i'm like literally lay down and push harder than you were before yeah it's I, simple as it gets shit man i wish <laughs> i i've tried that method before we've tried we've tried pretty much every method we can do in order to get a better bench press and it's 
there's some progress here and there, but uh, yeah, it just it's always a it's always a constant battle. I'm like, I just want to become one big muscle, and just maybe that's maybe that's it. Just be super super jacked, and my bench would have to improve, right? If I have a ton of muscle in my body, if I'm like a bubble gum, like like a fucking blown bubble gum just all around my body, just like looking like a like one of those like muscle suits. I know you're talking and like joking about just being a big muscle, but I wish younger lifters would take you serious. So many lifters are like, how can I arch more? How can I yeah. make my width, my grip width wider? I'm like, have you thought about perhaps just getting stronger first before you do all this goofy stuff? Dude, it is so bizarre listening to young kids talking about getting better at powerlifting because I don't know, because they, they don't like accessories. I don't get going to the gym and not wanting to put muscle on your body. I I don't know how we fall into the sport where you the objective is to lift weights, heavy weights, and you are judged strictly on the ability to get stronger. And in the same breath, not enjoy putting muscle on your body in order to do that. It is the weirdest thing and it happens more times than not. You don't know those people because typically those people aren't good. Like they don't end up being, um, you know, top five, top 10 power lifters. Um, but it's a thing. And I guess there are general outliers. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Ben Poor one of those people? Like the big archer? No, small like. Small range of motion? No, not that. He doesn't really do accessories that often. Uh, I don't know about now, but I remember people telling me that, and he said he's like, yeah, he just doesn't like doing accessories. I'm like, what? Maybe that was back in the day. Me and him training pretty consistently together now, so I don't let him slack off. But okay, now Ben is an anomaly though. He he played soccer all his life, and now he's just like one of the strongest human beings. So he's deceptive, deceptively jacked because it does like I know the joke was for why it doesn't look like he lifted. And I remember that we were first time we lifted together. He took off his shirt. I'm like, oh no, you got muscle on your body. Like mm-hmm. you clearly lift. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not a short and range of motion kind of guy. He is a, I think. Yeah. But I, 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 I just remembered there was a thing like in Indie City. Like, yeah, he doesn't really do that many accessories. He just needs a tan. He's very, oh. very pale. He's he very. All the ben, will be drooling. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> ben, ben looks like every Indiana basketball player. In 1983. That's whenever I look at Ben, I'm like, you would be all, like, you have the look of a guy who's all state in Indiana basketball, 1983, and you're being recruited by Coach Knight to go and play for the Hoosiers. He just gives me that vibe, that good old boy, all American, bounce pass, always. (laughs) Good, really good fundamental on the layup. Like a, a like a solid like a solid fadeaway. That's very accurate if anyone <laughs> follows basketball. Yeah, Ben's definitely a bounce pass kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, like there's something. Yeah, I don't know what it is that I'm going with the bounce pass. I don't know what tra- trait he has, but uh, yeah, I've always always saw that from him. Yeah, no, but I mean, he does his lifts. He's regular range of motion. But go, going back to what you were talking about with the. Not liking accessories, not wanting to get strong. I would love to rant on the, the bench press super arch thing. I feel like it's kind of split where some people are like, 
it's within the rules. So why are you, why do you care so much? Just it's like the sumo hate. Yeah, it's like, it's, I feel like it's more realistic for sumo, but everyone's like, you move the bar one inch, and I, I agree. I'm a I'm a low range of motion, high arch bench press hater. It's so dumb. You look dumb doing it. You're not building strength. How do you go into the gym, move the bar a half an inch, and feel good about yourself? Like, I, I just don't get. I'm not always motivated to work out, but I'm, I'm disciplined. I could not be disciplined to do that. Yeah, you do have to have that insane element of discipline, too. And, well, all right, so the person you're referring to is definitely Sean Noriega. Just, I mean, that's the guy. That's the anomaly. But he's weird, though, because he destroys his body with accessories. He wants to be jacked as hell, and he is. Like, Sean is, like, he was lacking the upper body for a little bit. Now Sean's just insanely jacked. Like, he has a really good physique going. He's put on muscle. It's just that's his powerlifting competition thing that he needs to do. But he's really dedicated to uh, to putting on a lot of muscle on his frame. And then the rest are female lifters. Yeah. I, I Realistically, I actually wasn't gearing that towards Sean, but if the shoe fits. Yeah, I mean, no, you, you, I mean you, have to, you have to pick someone. And it's Nori, but yeah, he it's, but he has to bench the day of the competition. That's how much volume he needs, or that's how much frequency he needs yeah. on his bench. Yeah, but the thing is, Sean is smart, and Sean knows what he's doing is not optimal for bench gains or strength gains. Some of these younger male lifters, younger female lifters, they they don't go through any phase of building a proper bench press. They just immediately hop onto the freaking shrimp curled back one inch range of motion. I'm like. Congrats on your, your team to state record, but well, you're you're never going to be impressive. Yeah, you're never going to well, be competitive. <laughs> well, at the same time, though, because I have seen it myself, their benches kind of suck. They're not that good, anyways. Like at least Sean's going five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. That's going to turn a lot of heads. Like, they, like the once I see them, like your bench is okay. Like your bench is not great. So to me, it's it is that balance of lifting more weights, but still not putting a lot of muscle on your frame and not really getting the notoriety that comes with a high arch bench press, which is a good bench press. Like if you're a national record holder, like, okay, well, you have a national record to boast about. A lot of these kids I see going into the gym, um, they don't have anything of the sort. They have nothing close to it. And on top of that, they just have no muscle on their frame. So it's, it's very bizarre to me that that would shame. Yeah. I this generation, man. Yeah, I know. We do sound like a couple of old Midwesterners. You're not old too. You I are. I think a lot sure. of people went, uh, like I went bald, man. What's that? I said, I went bald. I, I'm a boomer. I'm old, but you're not though. That's the thing. You're just, you're not old. You're, you're much man. younger than I am. Um, I, and I, I think that 25, that's, that's old, right? Uh, not one out. You're 30. I thought I thought when I was twenty five I was getting old and then I, I'm thirty now so I'm like I'm getting old. Damn, you're thirty. Yeah. See. Yeah, that is. See. That's see. Closer see time. how your opinion of me just changed. <laughs> well, I mean, it's more impressive that you're strong, but I mean, oh, I but you're thirty too, so it's like, it is funny when people say that. Like I, <laughs> comparing yourself to younger lifters, why are young lifters more impressive than older lifters? Why does it make sense? 
You're making me want to rant on everything. That's the point of two white lies for you to do that. I cannot stand people that put their age in every single lift. Put it in your bio, maybe. Put it on like some of your big PRs. But I don't care that you hit a 300-pound bench press at 18 years old on Tuesday. No one cares. Yeah, Being young is cool like for one or two lifts. But if your whole personality is being young, I wish nothing but the worst for you. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a terrible that's a terrible personality to build around. That you're young, you are a terrible person if you do that because that just goes away immediately. You only yeah. have 365 days before you get older. It's, it's like the junior thing. I, I feel like 23 for a junior is too old. I'm it should be. It yeah. I mean, we've we've like, we've ranted on so much. I think collegiate level should be the new thing, and it should be 18 through 22. And I saw, I mean, it, it's it's always the great uh, the great moments of collegiate powerlifting where they complain about everything. Because I do, I, I our, a lot of our fan base is collegiate powerlifters, which is hilarious because I, I feel like I'm only negative to a lot of them. <laughs> um, because, like, the USAPL just made a post on the collegiate nationals qualifying total, and people are complaining that it's high or they're, they're taking precedent teams as opposed to individuals. And it's like, okay, guys. You complained last year that the the cap was hit too early, so you got to raise the totals up, and they're going to take teams because collegiate powerlifting is more of a team based thing. Because collegiate sports is more team based, where you have an individual place to compete in the USAPL, which is in the open, and they don't want to accept that, and it makes me very angry. Um, and they 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 find ways to complain about it, uh, and. Yeah, and but at the same time, like if you're 22 years old, like trying to scrape by on qualifying totals and complaining it's too high, it's like you should be way stronger anyway. You're 22, like that's the age you should be really putting on. You know, a lot of kilos on the total, making a ton of progress. And I say you have to be really young, really young to put that stuff in your post. Like I was, and I I've, I mentioned this last podcast. Uh, Chase Chase Gravit is his name. I didn't give him his name on the previous podcast, but he's 15 years old. And he's deadlifting 600 pounds. And he's 181 pounds. Yes. <laughs> At that point, absolutely put your age on stuff because that's ridiculous. Now, that's that's incredible. But if you're 19 years old doing the same thing, kind of. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Right? If you're 15, pulling 600, that's crazy. Make a PR post, throw it in there, put it in your bio, and then just go ahead and keep working out, man. We'd like to see you work out, but we don't, don't care how old you are after you tell us 15 times. Yeah. Well, got it. Yeah. You got to get those clicks. Got to get the, uh, play, they're, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. I'm, I'm old down. I can't use my age as a, as a content grabber. I never had that because I started when I was 23. No, no one cared. Like, no one cared. If you're 23, that is, that is, you have to be under 20, I think, to put your age and shit. But if you're over that, you shouldn't put your age into anything anymore. So at that iconic Raw Nats pool where you, like, dropped it and looked like a squirrel, you know, not Yeah. How old were you at that? I, I don't know why I'm blunt. 26? You were 26? I thought you were, like, 18 or something. I don't know. Yeah, everyone, I, I, I no, everyone, you're not the only one. Everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks I'm much younger than I am. When I tell them I'm 30, they're like, wait, what? You're 30? I'm like, yes. That always makes me feel good about myself, by the way, guys, when you do that. <laughs> because I know I know it sounds like, like you look younger, which is a nice thing to say. Right. But at the same time, 
I don't know what it is that's insulting about it. I think it's the opposite. Girls like hearing that. Guys don't because it sounds like you're less of a man because you look younger. Yeah, I don't know about that. But it's I don't know. A it's, yeah. it, for me, it is. everyone Because when I was like 22, everyone thought I was like 17, 18 years old. And like, oh, you look like such a boy. And I'm like, I don't want to be a boy. I want to be a man. I'm 22. <laughs> Yeah, like there's like you look like one of the students and i'm like i i kind of want to be a man at this age so gotta, let's, let's pull beer out. gotta yeah i gotta work on something so that's when i started growing it when i started like working in schools and people were like you look like one of the students and i'm like i don't want to look like them no <laughs> no woman is like yeah that 18 year old guy <laughs> that barely legal guy that's what that's what i want no they want a, an actual adult male <laughs> Yeah, I, I sure hope so, man. Bringing up some, some real USPA vibes out here. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah. Yeah, the, well, that's the opposite. It's 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 the uh, the gender thing. Yeah, it's the gender yeah. thing because yeah. girls are a little bit better by that, but yeah. <laughs> we should probably, probably move on to the next subject, yeah? No, no, that's what we're sticking at. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. Um, I, one thing I did want to ask, um, you've been coached by Mikey for a while. Um, and I feel like Mikey doesn't get a whole lot of that credit as a coach. No, Mikey's got some hitters, man. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know Caleb Slaughter. He came in fourth for the 125s, I think. And I mean, he's probably got like next to no recognition for it. Mm-hmm. He told him almost 900 kilograms. Um, but I think Mikey's just kind of lesser known because, He's a phenomenal IPF lifter, but he's never really been, like, the world champ. He always loses to, like, one or two just freaks of nature. Mm-hmm. But, no, I mean, I wish I could rave about Mikey all day. He's We've been we've been lift, uh, training together for four years. In that time span, I've added over 500 pounds to my total. Yeah. I, I don't know what other criteria you need. I mean, he, he knows what he's talking about. Whenever any injuries come up. We work through those because he's had them in the past, and he's just knowledgeable. Yeah, and he's a dog. I mean, he's he's pulled like eight fifty before. Yeah, people just they sleep on Mikey. Honestly, it's it's weird to say, but yeah, he's, he's a dog. No, I I've, I've been a, a Mikey fan for a while, but I do think his it's interesting examining powerlifting in the way that people are perceived, right? Because it, it is such a culture thing, and. He's a guy who's I think I think recognized pretty well for being a great competitor, um, and that could actually hurt your coaching reputation in ways because people just acknowledge that more so than your coaching. But then you have guys like Sean Noriega who are classified as great competitors and great coaches. But it's like you have to have that thing. Like Mikey doesn't have that YouTube channel where he's talking about coaching and or being on powerlifting now and all that stuff where he gets that he's relatively low key about everything. So yeah. I think, I think when you're a good competitor and you're competing at IPF worlds and you're competing head to head against Ashton Ruska and beating him at 2019, you're going to get known. You're going to get notoriety. You don't have to post that much on Instagram in order to do that. Um, and on top of that, he's just beautiful. Like that part too. You just see his face and hair once. and You're like, that's just a gorgeous man right there. But you know, like, the coaching aspect, you have to kind of be active almost strategically, like Steve will tell you. And I feel like that's why Mikey hasn't got a lot of that credit. Yeah. And I was out in San Antonio in August to 
I was there for work and I ended up hanging out with him and Jesus and Pablo. He, he knows so much. I think he needs to hop into like the Instagram short form, uh, like tips and tricks and stuff. Like Nico was doing the things I wish I knew before mm-hmm. I started powerlifting. What that, that series is doing good. Mikey, Mikey is so knowledgeable. If he just did, you know, tips and tricks on technique, injury prevention, just like general programming, the dude knows everything. He's a, uh, very, very underrated, but he's like like you said, he's kind of kind of keeps to himself, low key guy. Works out with the strongest man in the world, so sometimes the attention's not exactly on him. But I foresee good things for him. Mm. Yeah, I, I would I would hope so, and I and I think someone with that knowledge, I think, is eventually going to get the notoriety, and he's got you know a national champion. Are you his first national champion? I can't I cannot recall. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I am one for one in open national championships. Like you made that uh that deadlift progression thing. Yeah. But you've done like four or five. I was like, I've I've done one good. <laughs> Should I just post my deadlift I got two red lights? <laughs> yeah. Wait, that was your first open nationals, right? Yeah, I mean I did junior at nationals technically, but that was my first open. So it's always been work with you, right? Because I remember at the Arnold I was trying to get I don't know if this is true or if it is, but I just remember at the Arnold, I was like, all right, Nationals, right? Because I've known you're, you've been a good competitor for a very long time. And I'm like, we got to get you a Nationals. Like, I, I really I really want to see it. And you're like, that like, work is, you know, kind of a conflict. And Or you had something else, but yeah, it, it does a happen. Thing. I, it was a small thing that happened. I got married to my, my wife, so I had to choose that over Nationals. And I was like, ah. Oh. I guess. Did you say that to me? Did you say I'm getting married? Uh, I, if you guys talked about it on like the Arnold recap. Okay. You're like, I'm excited to see Devin in the 125s. And maybe Steve was like, uh, I think he's getting married. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Steve, Steve knew a little bit better then. Well, that's good. All right. Well, congratulations on that. All right. So, <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, that will definitely be something that I'll keep you out of nationals. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, like we, I mean, we spoke at the beginning of the show with you being kind of hopping around the USPA and, um, USPL, but or USAPL, but yeah, first national meet, first nationals, and you win. Um, you you didn't even get the the regular section feels at nationals. I think you got to go through all of it. I think you have to opt next year to be in the regular <laughs> session. Well, I did the amateur session twice at the uh, at the Arnold. Not so the same that's thing. Warm up, right? <laughs> Not the same thing. I I was talking to so I was talking to um Kwaku, um young lifter. You know, he was in the regular session. I think it was his first Open Nationals, too, if I'm not mistaken. But I think I, I shared the story. He was reaching out kind of for advice on, you know, what to do in a regular session if he's trying to win his weight class. And I'm like, I know I know you're bummed out you didn't get prime time. And I remember I was bummed out that I didn't try hard enough in my local meet to get prime time in 2019 because I think I could have got it, like that last 10th spot. But I think you got to experience the regular session at nationals once the Royal rumble of lifters, the hectic atmosphere of four platforms. Um, it's just kind of this whirlwind thing. And I remember just kind of being so taken back by it. My first national meet that I'm like, I think I know, I know every, of course you want, if you're a competitor, you want to compete prime time, but there's that that's the powerlifting culture thing of experiencing a regular session at USAPL Nationals. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I had that ex, uh, that experience at Junior Nationals a little bit. Junior so Nationals like, would be good. There was like a million lifters. Yeah, I was just like, golly. But I, I handled a, a friend at the Saturday morning session. Um, so I was in the warm up room back there. It was pretty thick. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, not not as ideal. Switching to uh, doing the prime time session the next day, it was like, it was it was so nice. It was like one person per combo rack. It was just like Rondell Hunt next to me warming up, and I'm just like, all right, this is this is pretty cool. Let's go get a pro card. Yeah, that will. Yeah, that's. I mean, that I mean that like, prime time's great. I'm not. I'm not going to say like, yeah, the regular session's better than prime time. Prime time's obviously ideal. Um, but I, I recall the interview I did with Jamar Royster back in 2019, where I was talking about like, okay, it's not a really big deal, you know, getting a prime time. He's like, oh no, dude, you want to get prime time? It's so awesome. And then he described it to me, and he used like, you the the mood is very tense, but calm at the same time. It's like you're getting your warm ups in easily. There's no issues with any other, you know, like we got to get you on this platform. We got to get you ready now. It's like it's a very easy thing, but at the same time, everyone's just so laser focused on competing and hitting their list and placing, he's like, it's a very intense feeling in spite of it being pretty calm. And I'm like, okay, that description is amazing. And I want to do it. Um, and the regular session does feel like just a amped up local meet. Yeah. I, I don't know if things change as you get in the heavier weight classes, but it was definitely less tense than I expected. That's, I mean, Rondell was there. He's a heavy hitter. Yeah. He's not going head-to-head -head with anyone. He's a guest lifter technically, and he's smoking every other 125. Me and Brandon are screwing with each other. Like, I'm sending him messages like, oh, two reds is feeling pretty light, brother. You're in trouble. <laughs> and then, yeah, David Wilson back there, I think he expected to not have a crazy meet because he was working on injury. So he's just, like, happy-go-lucky. Yeah. He said, what's up to me? It was cool. Yeah. So it's definitely a different atmosphere. It's probably be a little more, um, like, serious, like you were saying, if there was – some more head-to-head -head battles that weren't involved. Well, in that, well, maybe you're right about that because I think every smaller competitor has a Napoleon complex. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I think it's because they're smaller. Big fellas, we're just we're just here to lift weights and then go drink some beer afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you guys have fun with it. Because uh, I'm actually now thinking about it. Like, I will say, Jesus is a pretty intense guy. I remember running into him on meet day in Daytona, and he was zoned in, just gave him the fist bump, and that was it. Because I could tell, like, he was in a mood, he wanted to do something, and I'm like, I'm not going to go and say some stupid joke to him or whatever, and, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I it, like, as the day goes on, or the meet goes on, that's when people, I think, start, like, being less talkative. Because at the at prime time, the weigh-ins, everything's pretty high camaraderie. People are talking, getting the singlets on, people are talking. And then throughout the day... Like, it turned into less talking, less looking at each other. Um, I know when Russ is in the the warm-up room, there is some tension between, like, his platform and Sean's platform. Even though I don't think it exists, it feels like there always is. And it's always good being on the outside of it. Because no, no one cares about you. You can beat, you can beat Sean Noriega, like, you know three times in your career, but if Sean Noriega is competing against Russ, that's what they're looking at. <laughs> Takes yeah. the tension completely off you. Yeah, I mean, like, 
in, in a similar scenario, the 125s were pretty intense in terms of how close we all were, but Rondell just kind of took all that pressure off of us because no one really, everyone kind of knew he was going to smoke us. Oh, yeah. But he didn't technically count, he, so. He smokes everyone, though, right? Like, yeah. I think he had, I, I'm not going to say an underrated performance because we got to see Rondell unleash, but that was, I don't think people are bringing up as one of the best powerlifting performances of all time. Like, that surpasses, in my opinion, Taylor Atwood's performance at 2021. Yeah, I mean, I got a big guy bias, so I think a couple lifters surpassed that performance. But I mean, Rondell is nuts. But the crazy thing is, that's my that's my next goal to reach is Rondell. Yeah, a, you kind of have to, right? Like, it's a tall task. Yeah, and then that's kind of what, if you're in that weight class, I don't think you, as a competitor you could possibly say, "Nah, you know, I'm not gonna really catch a guy." You gotta yeah, always think that, right? Yeah, I mean, when I first started catching the next guy who's totaling 800 now i'm gonna catch the guys totaling a uh, thousand fifty kilograms i'll try to catch his bench first and by catch i mean just perform better at a competition because yeah. we're, we're pretty close but yeah i let him have this one I didn't, I didn't want to ruin his day so i said all right you can you can bench last i'll let you have it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah one by one right one piece at a time so you gotta do like the first bench press then maybe the deadlift then the squat. You just you just got to get your deadlift over nine hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. By twenty forty, I'll be cooking Rondell. Don't worry. <laughs> twenty forty, I like that. Uh, and yeah, that was that was definitely one of the big highlights. But also one of the more. It, it was. I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but I think powerlifters powerlifters kind of enjoyed that one twenty five battle more than maybe like the casual powerlifting fan because they were so focus on Rondell because I was like, all right, well you got this cool battle here. Like just fun to watch three heavy hitters going against each other. Yeah. And I did a little Instagram like recap of each, each of our lifts, uh, me, Jared and Brandon, like squat bench deadlift. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job of like explaining the battle. Cause I think it was a lot cooler than people kind of realized. Um, but the live stream really dropped the ball on having placements uh, yeah. actively shown because like I was pulling for the win and on the live stream it's sick the guy's like Devin Williams is gonna pull for the win and if he gets this he beats Jared Martin on by the way and I'm like this is sick we should be doing this people in the stands they're just like ah this guy's pulling 370 that's yeah that's where you know you're absolutely right like that should be displayed pulling for the win just a big graphic pulling for the win uh pulling for first like you have that information on lifting cast, somehow make a graphic and make it like the centerpiece thing because, yeah, that'll mm-hmm. give everyone like, oh, okay, well, this is it. I mean, Gino, at the same time, like, Gino kind of does it, but it's hard for him to get all that information because yeah, he's yeah. He has nothing with lifting cast in front of him. He's on the mic. He's announcing for the lifters and for the people in attendance. Like, that's what the MC's job is. So unless there's a person like, hey – this is a pull for the win scenario. It's very hard to keep track of all that, uh, unless it's one per, like one competition happening. But there's multiple competitions yeah. happening, and then because there's a female competition going at the same time as you, there's the one tens as well. Like yeah, the weight class difference really could have been highlighted better too. Um, but yeah. like even like pro, just pulling for a pro card. I can't remember her name. It's Audrey something. I can't remember her last name. Mm-hmm. 
but she pulled 500 pounds, which was a PR, to go into third place and earn her pro card. And she's like a super like yelling, emotional lifter. And like me watching that, I was like, that was so sick. That was one of the coolest things that happened. And people in the crowd are just like, why is she so hyped? Yeah. Why is she screaming? I'm like, you got, like, oh, this, yeah, this was no, insane. You're right. You're, you're, no, you're 100% right about that stuff. And that's something that the crowd would get hyped for. You know, like, yeah. Because my first Raw Nationals, and I always bring the story, is 2019, or not this particular story, but I was just so blown away by primetime. And people were getting hyped just for lifts, right? Mm-hmm. But during those times, like, there was battles, but a lot of runaway battles. Like, they, they ended up being really not, like, pull-for-the-win scenarios. Um, and but, but the atmosphere was just hyped the entire time. People were just enthralled just with the lift itself. And now I think we're becoming a little desensitized to that. We've seen so many big lifts, and so many people have seen it so many times in the gym, a lot on Instagram, in person, at all these meets where it just doesn't have the same impact. But, you know... If you know the situation, everything is high pressure. Um, example from this one is Dan Clements. My heart rate went up so high for Dan watching him miss his opener. And I'm like, if he misses this, he, he it's going to happen again to him. Where he's, go, he's going to just drop the ball at Nationals. And um, I mean, it's not a common thing, but the same thing as last year. And... There's no real, I mean, we're both game day athletes. There's no real affiliation, but knowing the backstory behind it really helps. And if I'm feeling that, then everyone else is probably going to feel it too. Yeah. Yeah, I think just with the struggle of power thing being a good spectator sport, there's such simple things we can do to improve. Because I was sitting in the stands, um, Was it? I guess it was for Saturday primetime to watch Ben. And I can hear it just like, moms and dads of the lifters just like is this person beating the person i'm here to watch because they're in different weight classes or and it's just like this is not that hard to explain to people and it would it would make the live stream and just the spectators experience so much better especially at nationals too because it's all weight class stuff anyway so it's it's not that hard to even calculate for yourself or not that hard to keep track of because as a commentator i hate commentating formula stuff where I don't have like an educated color commentator because I don't, I, I don't, I don't do that stuff. I don't look up what they need and, you know, pull out the calculators and get that stuff going. Like I need someone feeding me the information so I can commentate because it's hard to have that energy while still maintaining like a knowledge of, okay, if they miss this, uh, what happens here? I have to calculate, and then you're doing like, oh, hold on, hold on, um, and that just makes a terrible commentary. So, like, yeah, yeah, like weight class stuff, though. I love. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bryce Lewis was doing what you were just saying. I yeah. think he was in the commentator's ear, letting him know like this is a record or this is their PR. So I'm really glad that he's behind the scenes on some of this live stream stuff because first, first of all, it's cool to meet him. He's, a, I believe, he was a world champ at some point. Oh yeah, he's uh, Bryce Lewis is such a legendary figure in the sport. Yeah, and like when I met him, I was like, "You're Bryce Lewis," and everyone else is just like walking by him, like he's just a regular media guy. Yeah, like like, he's a media. That's kind of that. That is kind of a strange thing of like, (laughs) right? Because I, I, I do remember at the Arnold uh, 2020 
when he congratulated me after my deadlift. That was the first time I met him. And the first time I met Bryce Lewis was congratulating me for breaking an American record and saying, like, man, it was really great watching you compete. It did feel like you met, you met, it's like you are in a minor leagues and then he just met a, like an all-star baseball player. And they was like, Oh, you're really good. And you get that like motion, like, Oh wow. Like that's, that's huge. That, and that's the first time you ever seen him and met him or seen him and talked to him. And that's your first interaction. It was one of the highlights of that weekend for me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. It's like after I after I won the the championship, uh, Tony Cliff DM me. It was like, "Hey, man, that was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Like, congrats!" And I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> A world champion just DM me and said, "Good job." It's like, dang, cool times, cool times. Yeah, yeah. That's um, heavy. Have are 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 you still? Are you still like kind of psyched when that stuff happens? Because it's it's something that's relatively new experience so that's something like that really gets to you yeah i mean like i talked about it before um there was a couple guys who came to me like you're big dev right i was like this is a pranked video (laughs) happening you're not coming up to me saying you're big dev but i was like yeah man and they're just like yeah you're inspiring me cool to see you and it's super cool to see that because i still do that to literally like people I've met before. Like I, when I was in San Antonio, I hung out with Ashton, just hit a, like an accessory session. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm working out with Ashton Ruska. And like, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. You got to appreciate that stuff a lot more because I don't know. I think, um, a lot of lifters who do start getting that don't know how to act and they try to act like it's not amazing. Oh, and it cool. is always just so, always so cool. <laughs> it's like, it really doesn't get old. Of yeah. somebody like either a great lifter compliment to you is, is an amazing feeling, but also just people coming up to you and like asking you to take a picture and, you know, uh, saying that, yeah, I've been following your training. Like, even if it's a lift like that, that your, your deadlift inspires me and it, it's always just a cool thing. But yeah, but then even at the same time, like being able to train with them too, like that still is, ne- that still is something I always look forward to. It's like training with yeah. other powerlifters that I've watched many times and thought that guy will never be at that level. Yeah, I, when I trained with Mikey for the first time, I was like, "We had been we had been working <laughs> together for four years," and I'm still like, "Holy shit, it's Michael Davis!" I'm training with him. It's just I don't think it's ever going to go away from training with people who I've watched for literally years on Instagram, and they were always just like miles ahead of me, and I still consider them like top tier athletes, but I'm putting myself in that mix, but it's still, it's still cool. It, and like, I'm, I'm in a 125 weight class. So pretty big dudes in my weight class. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see myself as that big of a guy. I'm not like super aesthetic, just corn fed strength. <laughs> but like some of these younger guys came up to me and like, Holy crap, you're big dead. Like, what's up, man. And they're just like Titans. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, do I just not know who you are? But they're they're massive. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it's a goofy little hobby sport, but pretty cool how the, the circle comes around. No, it's no, and there's there's elements to it where I think that powerlifters should start acknowledging that people are actually inspired by the stuff, and they do want to hear from you, and they do want to meet you, and they do want to watch mm-hmm. you lift and watch you train, and like 
powerlifters, I think, do need to lean into that. Like, that's why I'm like, compete more often to give them that because they actually do like that. They do appreciate it. Don't, I, I mean, I could be, I'm not a marketing guy. I have no idea. There could be all these things like, no, don't make yourself too accessible. I'm like, if there's a thing that people want to meet you and it's an event, go to it. Like, go, go to it. Like, the will help the experience for a lot of people. Yeah. Even just, like, responding to a DM. Yeah. Like, some guys have asked me just, like, simple bench tips, and usually I don't give them very good tips because I'm not a coach and really don't know what I'm talking about. But I responded. They're just like, I appreciate you responding, man. Like, thanks for giving me some of your time. And I'm like, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the least I can do, man. Um, I've, I've definitely cut down on it because most of them are just, like, uh, questions about shoes. Um, and I'm <laughs> like, I, I don't want to answer any shoe questions because – that's not going to help or, you know, the vague questions. I think I'm pretty sarcastic about it, but now it's a great thing. I get to be sarcastic to people and people enjoy it. They like. I, I can yeah. be mean and call people dumb. And they're like, yeah, classic <laughs> Angelo. I'm like, all right, well, bad. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I get away with a lot of things now. <laughs> I just got yeah, insulted I mean. by Angelo. That's great. I'm like, Oh, all right. I guess, uh, I guess that is making it. <laughs> I guess I made it nice. this niche sport. Some people are into that, man. Yeah. Assaulted by their idol. They like being into it. Well, I was going to say, as far as like your journey as a power lifter, I don't It's It's cool once they start disliking you, too. When you, <laughs> when you have like, you're like, oh, you know, they've acknowledged your competitions, they like your friends, and then something happens along the way where they stop liking you. That's actually yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. I, I got a feeling if this. Big Dev versus Bob thing happens. It's optimistic to say like me versus Bob. It's going to be a close battle. I, I truly think I'll I'll put up a good fight. We'll see. Um, but I, I feel like some Bob haters or some Bob lovers are going to be like, "You're ridiculous for even for even thinking yeah. about competing against Bob." And honestly, don't fully disagree. But I think it'll be good good publicity either way to grow the sport. One thing I will say that's kind of a twist on this. I get zero steroid accusations, and it kind of makes me salty. Yep, I, I'm, I'm stronger than a lot of dudes mm-hmm. who get steroid accusations all the time. And I'm like, dude, I went bald, and I'm strong. Someone just, just and, yeah, please. and you competed in USPA for like a long time. Exactly. Like, come on, come on, you have, you have, yeah, you have. There's a lot of smokes. There's a lot of smoke screens there. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it, it, yeah, it makes. At this point, it makes me mad when people accuse Russ of being on gear because I'm like, he's drug tested, I think, more than me. And no one says the same thing. Like, every steroid accusation Russ gets that's not being passed on to me, it's like, wow, all right. Gotta, yeah. gotta, set, that, gotta set that game up. Gotta get, gotta I mean, get the I aesthetics mean, going in the mass. Like, Russ is a, is like the best example because I'm sure he gets it probably the most. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. You're within 50 kilos of his best total, and the the percentage of steroid accusations just falls off a cliff. No, yeah, it's, one, it's none. I really don't get any. <laughs> and then, like, it, it's more so that he de- gets drug tested more than me. He has more drug tests in his career than me by far because. He was an IPF competitor. He was had a bunch of automate tests. I got in the automate testing pool, I think, in 2020, 2021. So I don't have a lot. I have a lot of in-meat tests. 
a good amount of automate tests, but Russ is been tested significantly more, so he has actually more proof that he's not on stuff. Right. Yeah, and I, I got my first out of me test actually from nice. Joseph Shepard. You know Joey Shepard. Yeah. It's uh, somehow he got uh, assigned to drug test me. So mm. he showed up at ICB for my workouts, and I was like, "Cool, this is cool to get out of me drug tested." But I don't have anyone to accuse me of steroids from even bring that up. This yeah, is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, you want to? You, wanna, I get? you always kind of uh, listeners want to flex if they got out of, me, out of me tested. Like I remember, I thought it was pretty cool to getting out of me tested and. But then at the same time, like, we know. <laughs> right. We, we weren't really thinking that you were, so it's okay. Like, <laughs> like now, like, Russ makes a bit, I mean, people call it tacky, and I'm like, uh, it's not really tacky, because he gets a ton of steroid accusations, so actually filming, like, a guy giving a random drug test in the middle of his workout is kind of valuable and helpful in many ways. And that gets him tons of views, man. Yeah, and it's and it is and yeah, to me it, it is good publicity and, and and actually positive publicity as well because what it shows like yeah they, we do drug tests because you I mean I'm friends personally with a lot of people who are like they they honestly think that the USAPL makes a like so much money off of Russ and I'm like you guys realize that nationals have like twelve hundred lifters set up for it and people pay just on the spot. And not one of them was Russ. Like, if Russ did Nationals, he would be paying the same fee. Right. I know live stream views and all that stuff, but no, the USAPL is going to make a lot of money with without Russ. They don't need to. They don't need to falsify drug. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, drug drug test results. Like, they don't need to do that to make money. Yeah, but they think that like people have an idea know. that Russ brings. I mean, Russ brings a lot of eyes and notoriety and i do agree there but he act, they actually think like he brings him a ton of money like, yeah they'll probably pay him to stay in the usapl if it was actually that serious but yeah and we all know that's not happening just, you can't uh you can't reason with people who already have their minds made up yeah well yeah i mean you got a bunch of like logical pitfalls there but um yeah um what what are you what are you seeing right now in comparison with the two though, with IPF USAPL? What what's offering you a better product? So, I think IPF. Yeah. I um I mean I won my first national championship. Sick. There's really nothing to do. I think if I want to do pro series, I have to do this like apex meet in December. December maybe. I think I have to do that because I don't have enough. I, I won like three points. I don't even know what. Like what the term is for the points, but yeah, points. I balled out, got three points. I got to do this another meet in December. Hopefully, earn enough points to get into the pro series. Yeah, and then I got to turn around and compete three months later at the Arnold and beat guys who are have like thirty dots points on me. I'm just saying it's not super realistic for me to be, uh, I guess, like. Uh, productive in the pro series at this point yeah maybe give me a year or two with people leaving me getting stronger maybe it's a bit more reasonable um but with the ipf local meets like the i'm sure everyone's aware of the houston meet that i think everyone's doing at this point yeah all all the guys who we know are going ipf are doing it there's a six thousand dollar prize pool that's pretty cool for a local meet yeah um i've been told through some grapevines that those are going to become a little more common 
which is obviously cool good for the yeah. sport i i think that was her next logical step and that's kind of and that's kind of what I'm viewing here as well as with the IPF and Powerlifting America is I think they acknowledge like, okay, we've, we've got some sort of notoriety here. It's clear that if you compete Powerlifting America, it's because you want to compete at Worlds. Um, yeah. And it's like there are going to be good competitors who don't make it to Worlds. So we can have those little buffer meets and those, you know, right. mid-tier leads, meets where um, those guys with 540 dots – who are really good and people want to see compete and can be rewarded from it. But to me, it's like, that's, that's what the pro series has is those meets that do pay out that have good competitors lifting in it. That are a good production. Um, it's just, you don't have worlds to go along with it. Like that's, I think the cherry on top of all of it is, is worlds and, um, now Sheffield and now them kind of expanding into more of a professional product. Like yeah. that is all yeah, that's professional saying, powerlifting. Like professional powerlifting has been helping powerlifting a lot. Yeah. I think the lifters that have a realistic shot at going to worlds, winning worlds and going to Sheffield, obviously the IPF is like way ahead in terms of what they can offer. But I feel like the USAPL they could do better with what we got. Even just the payouts for nationals. I think it was like 7,500 bucks a day for the yeah. top three guys. Like I got fifth overall on Sunday because they moved the one ten to Sunday, which sucked. Yeah. I got nothing. I got a gold medal. Yeah. No, I agree. Last year, I think they gave a grand to every weight class winner, but to me, I'm like, all right, at least people are getting more money. Yeah. Right. Like you, you do, you do have like perk, Totaling eight fifty one and getting a thousand dollars, like, you know, it's money. It's good money, but it's it's better that he gets five thousand. Yeah, they could all agree, and it's like you are rewarding. I think more, um, the best overall lifter. But I know they're. I think they're putting a lot more money into the pro finals. Um, but yeah, like you like you said, the USAPL can be doing better because if you realistically look at it, the best performances of the year. I think if on drug tested powerlifting has been mostly USAPL. Perk, Rondell, Alexis Jones, and then I guess the rest are IPF, but I think the the one that really stands out from the IPF is Jesus, Natalie, um, Evie. Like those are standing on the IPF side, but they do kinda the USAPL hasn't might they haven't beat as far as talent goes. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, all the talent is kind of migrating over, and yeah. it's. I th- I think at a point you just want a new challenge too. Yeah, you, yeah, that is the one thing. Like you don't you don't get to compete against international people. Like you just don't in the USAPL. Yeah, and I, I mean that's influencing my decision too. I think if I stay, it's like me versus Bam Bam, which is sick. But Bob Matthews is going to be the guy to get to. So if I move over to Tim, maybe Brandon comes over, we go to Worlds, we got Tony. Just the the competition in the USAPL for that particular weight class with uh, the caveat of Rondell, because he's not, you know, he's got his issues with being an official lifter. Yeah, that's... It's just changing. Times are changing. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, he's got... Yeah, he's got a tough situation on both ends because I think he would be an IPF lifter tomorrow if they didn't actively try to screw him, it seemed like, yeah. which is so strange. 
Like, hey, yeah, like exactly one of the sure. one of the best lifters in the world. They were making it really, really hard for you to to lift in. I just all of it to me is bizarre. I'm like, I think you guys want him. Just uh, I guess you know the script's not in for the IPF and USAPL like it's in the <laughs> NFL. Because then you're like, yeah. you guys aren't following a good script at all. Like, <laughs> make things yeah. easier for lifters to compete and have massive performances. Yeah, I really crunched the numbers, but if Rondell went over, I'm not sure how he wouldn't like smoke. No, he Sheffield. would. He, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think he would. Totals he would, he would, really far above the world record total. He, I think that's why yeah. that conversation was had because of people knowing how good Rondell is, how much he can push for world record, him winning worlds at a point, and yeah, like. All of it was there for him, and I think that's why the, the, the spot seemed to be quite there at the moment, and they just screwed him over. Yeah, I mean, he would beat the total by like 70 or 80 kilos. Yeah. I'm not sure what other weight class is going to be. Then, yeah, if, you, if you add Rondell to, and Perk to that situation, like, that's Sheffield becomes unbelievable. Like, it's unbelievable meat. It's, it's you know, a, probably the best showcase meat ever. But you had Perk and Rondell and Jesus to the meet. That world record <laughs> that stuff is nuts. crazy. Like that, the, actually, the winning best overall lifter is at that meet becomes like must watch powerlifting. Yeah, and I think Sheffield is going to be really entertaining for years to come, regardless of where the totals are, because it's all—it's never going to be like the USAPL Nats where you have the same couple of guys in their weight classes just kind of beating the rest and not being too much of a competition. Yeah. If Rondell smokes the total this year, he's probably going to be at a disadvantage to, to win next year. Perk could smoke the total. Like, Jesus, like Jesus is in a position currently. He totaled something absolutely ridiculous last year. Now he's got to beat that to win. Yes. Yeah. Always going to be pretty entertaining. I think, I think, I think the people putting on Sheffield along with like what we said, it's only a meet that's going to get better. Like, mm-hmm. The years where it's not going to be so great is the first, like, two years. Even now, it's already shaping up to be amazing. And the, the Sheffield itself was incredible. Like, it was... Um, but at the same time, like, we do have those great performances. But if those great performances don't six, it's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, Sheffield might have fell flat. Like, if if, if Taylor Atwood sandbagged Sheffield and won, that would have sucked. Like, that would have been... Like, it worked out, actually, that he didn't do well. For Sheffield, because more people got to focus on the 93s and Jesus. Um, And now it's like the the records are higher. It's going to be more difficult to obtain. But once that happens, it's a much better experience for everyone watching. So and and competing at it, too. So, yeah, I think we're like this. This has definite interest now, but it's only going to get better from here. So, yeah, I think so many people are like. It's free agent season, it feels like, in t- a drug test of powerlifting. We always, That's good, man. Yeah. We always do. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. sweet in the pot, guys. USAPL, Powerlifting America, what are, you, what are you offering here? Like, let's, let's get a bidding war going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that we have ways of bringing attention to the sport. Even I've done. I, uh, I was on a podcast recently, and I took a sound bite, and I said, we were talking about USAPL versus IPF, and most of that sound bite. It's just going to get people thinking and caring about who's going where and what that means for one side and what that means for the other. Yeah. So, nothing but good things coming up, but I'd say. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right. I guess. But before we change the subject or, or whatever next is next, I haven't really talked to you much about your uh, your plans. Have you been? Have you spoken about it, or are you open to speaking about where your head's at? Um, I was gonna kind of save it for the coach client confidential. I'm gonna do Joe. I'm not gonna do like a whole announcement thing. I honestly don't know though. That's my thing. Like I said, I was putting off the decision because it was lurking for me in my prep to nationals. And I'm like, I can't think about that. I need to focus mm-hmm. on nationals. Like that's the goal right now. And now it's post nationals. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to contemplate it now. Um, I think there has been some changes because article 14 now does affect me. Um, I am a powerlifting coach. Um, not taking on any online, I'm not an online coach, um, but I am a high school powerlifting coach now. And yeah, like I got to contemplate what to do from there because personally, I think the USAPL is a great place for those lifters to compete. I I think that does beat Powerlifting America in that regard, but I don't know. So like article 14 does affect me um, now more so than ever, because at first it was easy. Like, you just go and compete parts of America, and if you don't win, you just go back to USAPL. Or if you do win, you just go back to USAPL. Right. And that's it. Like now it's now it's the actual decision that is causing people a lot of strife, which is what to do about this Article 14, because coaches are handcuffed, but especially coaches who are lifters. They're handcuffed the most mm-hmm. out of all this. Like, what do you do as far as your business and your lifters? And yeah, you'd be a pretty lousy coach if you just leave your lifters in the dry. Granted, I don't have any lifters technically within any federation right now, but yeah, it's something there. And I, and personally, just like the USAPL. Fair enough. Yeah. I totally actually forgot about the article 14 goofy stuff. Um, Cause I plan on handling a friend at a meet in November, I think. So I guess I got to figure out if I plan on, if I plan on switching yes or no. And then, I guess I got to do it after November. Yeah. Or I tell him he's got to find a new handler. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, hopefully that that goes away in the future. Yeah, it is. It is. Really it is more of up. an Article 14 thing, and um, also, yeah, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna save I think full explanations of quote kind of confidential <laughs> because that's gonna be probably a really long podcast and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that people want to listen to. But that's kind of the gist of it. Like me just being undecided right now, but also not feeling a ton of sense of urgency because it's not like I have to get an 800 kilo total to qualify for nationals. I just have to lift a bar at a meet. So <laughs> I could probably find yeah. that in the meantime. So I'm not too panicked right now. Um, yeah. thinking about it. Fair enough. No, that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, before we end, I want to do a little word association before we go. So I say a word relating to powerlifting or not. And you give me either a expression, a phrase, or anything that just comes to the mind. Don't get too stuck in the one-word responses. All right. USAPL. Ooh. Uh, nearing completion. Nearing completion. IPF. Lots of opportunity. USPA. Uh, made some mistakes. <laughs> some, some's appropriate. <laughs> so, so, some is appropriate. Uh, <laughs> they made a few. 
yeah. a few Just... mistakes. Um, Bam Bam. Oh, that's my guy. Uh Nah, I can't really just like say a word from Brandon. Just a uh, very good friend. Glad we met on Instagram. Legitimate competitor. At no point do I feel like I'm ever going to let up and hope he wins over me. Uh, but just, I hope we uh, compete again. All right. It's at the moment that's kind of up in the air. Okay. Jared Martin. One and done. Slay the beast. I like that. Tony Cliff. Ooh. The world champ comes to mind, but future competition also. All right. Bob Matthews. Ooh. Uh, excitement. A lot of excitement. So I'll elaborate a bit on that, but Bob's actually super cool. We've, we've talked plenty of times at nationals and we talked in the DMs here and there. Um, but I will say he's he's switching to like the closer grip bench, switching to conventional. He's uh he's still doing my whole flow. I told him that just kind of jokingly, but it's it's crazy. He's actually like reached out to me about like my bench press progress, and it's very cool to see someone who literally has the potential to have the highest tested dots on any given day, and I I can even put myself in that conversation with someone like that. Yeah, so, very exciting. Yeah, but yeah, Bob is also just one of those great lifters who is very easy to talk to, and he will reach out to people, and he will be a guy to respond to DMs and talk to people, and yeah, he'll make you feel very special too because he does admire lifters, and you know that he's better than you. Like training with him, like I know you're way better than me, but he'll make you feel like you're not, like he's not, and you're you're really good, and it's always a very nice feeling. Um, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Shiesty. My savior. <laughs> <laughs> now, we need to get our shit together right now, but uh, uh, happy, happy with Joe Burrow. Good to have him on the team. Bright future. Okay. Two white lights. Favorite podcast. King of the lifts. <laughs> uh... Great podcast. Excited to progress with them. Yeah. I'm I thought that was a great video you had. I was surprised not every powerlifting page posted it. I thought that was tailor made for King of Lists. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I don't know. Like granted we we only gave you the story post, so we're just as bad. <laughs> We're, yeah, we're, both podcasts are wonderful. What's up? So both podcasts are wonderful. They are. I mean, I, I like King. I, I do like King of Lifts because he does the things that I don't do. He does interviews. Like, I can't really do interviews. Like, if you're looking for Power Thing Podcasts for interviews, like, Two White Lights kind of isn't the best one. Now, I'm, I want to do more interviews. I do them when I can, like, right now. Like, I do have some time after Nationals, but... We get like one recording day, so it's great. Like, there's another mm. podcast that does interviews, and I think Ryan does a good job of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll kind of clarify some things. So kind of brought it brought it up jokingly, um, but I mean, this podcast was great. I appreciate you having having me on here. Um, but me and yours kind of chit chat, and it's powerlifting focused, but we kind of talk about everything. Um, 
there was some confusion with me going on King of Lifts, but at the end of the day, everything was clarified. Me and Ryan are very cool. He had me on, and Ryan did a great job of keeping it powerlifting focused and just like really chronological. Um, and we had a great podcast. I think that came out recently. So nice. I love two white lights. I love King of Lifts. Both podcasts do great things for powerlifting. All right. Yeah, I I agree uh, with that statement as well. But Big Dev, awesome having you on, man. It's been a while. You know, it's been a while since I've been in Indianapolis. That's I always refer to as Indy City as my home away from home when uh, I used to go out there. It was always the thing. If, like, uh, Serge was having a meet, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make an excuse to go out to Indianapolis and train at Indy City. So um, hopefully I'll be able to get out there one of these days. I'm way, way further away from Indianapolis than I ever has been. But um, it's been awesome watching your progression, man. It's been great seeing the work and – I'm excited to see what you can do in the future because you're still a young man and you got a lot, you got a lot of room to grow. Yeah, appreciate the kind words. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, our paths can cross and we can get a training session in. Yeah, um, but I'm excited for the future for both of us, powerlifting in general. Yeah, I'm really excited. Hey, Houston is always open, man. <laughs> yeah. Houston's always an maybe option. Maybe I'll make my way down there. What's that? So maybe I'll make my way down there. It's- it's becoming a pretty good powerlifting state right behind Indiana. Yeah. Oh, Indiana. Hey, Indianapolis, Indiana. It's 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 definitely growing, and yes. and and I am being I am being honest when I say that it's not just the Instagram stuff that's being posted. It is actually a fantastic powerlifting state that's now more recognized with the USAPL lifters because it was always a USPA, very similar to Illinois, mm-hmm. a USPA stronghold state. Yeah, that's one hundred percent true. All right, well, that'll do it for Two White Lights. Um, next week, Steve should be back from vacation, and we'll have uh, regular Two White Lights content of all the stuff that happened in powerlifting, rule changes in the USAPL, and Steve probably has an opinion on it that's going to get him in trouble. So see you guys next week. Peace.